this episode of Inductive Conversations. Paul Scott, training content manager at Inductive Automation, joins us for a new segment of How'd You Get Here? Paul shares his professional journey, which includes his early experiences at IA, the roles he has taken on, and what he currently does today. He also shares what he sees for the future and what he enjoys during his spare time. My name is Arnold J. Ignacio, and this is Inductive Conversations. Hello and welcome to Inductive Conversations. My name is Arnold J. Ignacio, and we're here again with another episode of How'd You Get Here? You know, sometimes I ask myself, how'd I get here? But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk to Paul Scott. He's the training content manager from Inductive Automation, and we're going to explore his journey here at Inductive Automation. Paul, thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. How did we get here? That's a pretty uh, deep question. That right? is a pretty good question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're here in person. We've been doing these interviews you know, remotely, which is fine. But I figured, you know, we come back to the office and enjoy a, a, a in-person conversation. So, you know, thank you for you know, joining. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're we're largely a remote first company. So having in-person conversations is kind of nice again. You know, we're doing that more and more. So, yeah, super excited to be here. Yeah. And it's also nice to have uh, uh, the view that we have here at the office. You know, our location, we're just lucky to have a place next to Lake Natoma here in Folsom, California. So, um, yeah, it's it's great. To be honest, I feel like you're trying to spoil me with the view. You got all the, the plants going on. You got the level. It's like, wow, this is really nice. <laughs> I'm trying to distract you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, before we jump into our conversation, please tell us a little about, uh, about yourself and uh, what you do here at Inductive Automation. Sure. Yeah. So my, my current title is training content manager. Um, what that basically means is I'm responsible for our written technical documentation. In most cases, that means like uh, user manual content, uh, knowledge-based articles in our support portal. Um, but also some odds and ends sort of things, some, you know, occasional technical documents uh, we're asked to help out with. And then I also uh, manage the, the team that's responsible for Inductive University. So kind of help them with with planning new courses, new video ideas and just keeping everything up to date. Yeah, the work that you've done with Inductive University and with all the training content, it has been phenomenal. Our community has benefited a lot with that content and it's fairly easy now to to learn Ignition with everything that's out there. Um, but we had a conversation before this and we talked about where you were before coming to inductive automation. Can you talk about a little about that? Yeah, sure. So before I, I joined inductive automation, I actually worked uh, in a lot of food service sort of jobs. Uh, I was, I was a bartender last at a restaurant and, um, uh, it was a good, good career path initially, but it was just one of those things I was doing to help, you know, pay bills during high school and college. Um, so, so that's, that's sort of my start. And then I, I worked on a couple of degrees. I have a psychology degree and then I have a game design degree. I also acquired. And then once I got both of them, it was time to sort of move on. So yeah, you, you started with a psychology degree. I also have a psychology degree. So what, what made you decide to, you know, pick up the, the game development? Sure. So it's kind of a weird story because I don't think I ever really learned how college works. Um, so basically, I got out of high school and I, like a lot of people, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And so I took a bunch of elective courses and then I went into psychology because I really like the class. I, I like what the the field tried to do. I like the whole like trying to explain why people do the things they do. I found it really interesting. So I kind of started going down that path. But then I reached a point where I was like, well, what kind of career opportunities are there for me? Like, well, why am I doing this? You know, so I still found it interesting, but I figure, well, maybe I kind of pivot a little bit and, and see if I can find something that's a bit more. There's there's not necessarily more curiosity with, but maybe a bit more passion in. And one of the things I've always sort of 
been interested in is gaming, um, mostly video gaming, but board games, card games, stuff like that. I, I've always just sort of enjoyed. And it turns out there's a lot of overlap between psychology and sort of game development, right? Like, like you, a lot of the decisions you make when you put like a game together or you're starting to build it, um, you're doing it because you're, you're sort of trying to guide the player through a certain experience or, or whatever. So, so it ended up being a pretty natural pivot and that's kind of what led me there. And that's, that's, why I have kind of two degrees because I couldn't really figure out <laughs> initially what I wanted to do. Yeah. No, no, I, but I think, I, I think having all that experience is great. You know, I understand the whole psychology degree. That's what, you know, I graduated with that degree. Uh, but then I ended up in marketing, but it's in that same vein, you know, you use a lot of that psychology. And I think there's a lot of useful things in psychology because, you know, a lot of the stuff that we're doing right now deals with people and building <clears throat> products or building uh, solutions or anything that, of that matter that deals with people, you know, psychology is very useful in that manner. So same thing, you know, with marketing is just trying to figure out what would be the best way to get people to understand a product or to know about a product or why it would be useful for them. So, but that's really cool. And I think it's great to have all that experience. So you have this gaming degree, which is, which is really cool. I think it's pretty interesting. So the question is, what got you into industrial automation? How did you find inductive automation? Like, how did that all pan out? Yet another little pivot I did there. Um, so Around the time I was wrapping up the game development degree, um, I got news that my first niece was on the way. So it was the first time I was going to be an uncle. Um, and it was kind of a weird point in my life because I've mostly stayed in California. I didn't really travel a whole lot, usually to adjacent states and stuff like that. Um, so the original plan with the game development stuff was to basically get away from California mm -hmm. and go see other parts of the country. Nothing wrong with California. I love California. I'm super happy to be here. But, um, you know, I just saw it as a good opportunity, you know, starting a new career, may as well try to find a job somewhere else in the country yeah. that I, I could, you know, really kind of work my way into. And I want to say around that time, I believe Seattle and Houston were two sort of large pockets of like, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with like independent game developers and stuff like that. So it's like, oh, I should probably move there, try to find a job I could work, try to move there and then try to like get in that and. And, and move forward with that. But then, you know, heard about my niece. I was like, well, do I want to be the remote uncle? And I didn't. Um, yeah. So I was like, well, let me let me broaden my, my search a little bit. So I started looking for, for tech jobs, stuff that, you know, folks with a computer science degree would typically go through and try to see, like, what experiences mapped over. And, you know, inductive automation ended up being one of those. And it seems like it's been working out all right so far. Um. <laughs> and so I would imagine that you had in, in the midst of your search, you had other opportunities that were, were available to you. And so um, I'm wondering, so what what about inductive automation that drew you here and said, you know, I want to work for this organization? So a lot of the times when you, you're applying for a lot of these jobs, you're trying to figure out what the company does. And I didn't really have any background with with, you know, SCADA, HMI, the, the, the entire industrial automation world. Right. But I did, you know, go to the website and I downloaded the software. I was like, oh, it's free. I can just download it. I mean, you know. Uh, this trial and whatnot, but yeah. Um, and so I was able to install it. I got the designer open. And back then we, as far as visualization, we only really had a vision at the time, but I was able to find my way to that area of the designer. And then I saw, oh, there's like button components and, and tables. It's like, oh, you're building a screen for people. That's what that is. Um, and so I started like messing around a bit more that it was like, okay, I think this is something I could really Maybe maybe it was a little, little bit of overconfidence at the time. Like, yeah, I could work with this. I get because it was a it was for a support position. It's like I, I think I could probably learn this and and help people out with it um, at the time. So, but yeah. Well, I mean that's that's really great. And 
you know, it kind of it speaks to the product, uh, you know, being able to download it and then being able to use it and then be able to see what you can do with it. And I think a lot of our customers have had that experience. But it's really interesting to kind of get your your perspective on that. Um, and so you, you mentioned that the position that you applied here uh, was for a support position. So, uh, you know, let's let's travel back in time. Um, what were your thoughts when you first started in that position? What was going through your mind? You know, just take us through that. Is this where we do the cool time travel little like effect? Over? We could, we, no. could. <laughs> we, we could try. Um, yeah. So back then, you know, I joined, uh, applied for a support position, joined, got that. Um, I stayed in, at that position a little under two years. But um, yeah, when I joined the company, that's when I remember the, doing a lot of learning, right? Which is true for, for a lot of jobs, right? You join, you join a new company, you, get, you learn a bit about the company and culture and stuff like that. But, but also the industry itself, um, since that was all new to me, like a, like a lot of folks we end up hiring out of college, they you know, may not necessarily have industrial automation experience at all. Um, so I remember it was, it, was, it was kind of funny because I've spent all these years in college and high school, like learning about stuff kind of like, you know, a lot of theoretical stuff, some applied, but it was never really like, you know, and I didn't need to apply this knowledge on the database yet. I was sort of prepping myself so I could get a job. But then I'm on, on site and it's like, okay, time to learn what a PLC is. And then, you know, like we go in the, we go into a, like the, the old server room back at the, the, uh, the building, the Palladio we were in. And, you know, Steve was in there. He's like pointing out where the PLC is. And like, these are the, you know, inputs to this and that. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. I have all this context. Like I know I'm going to maybe need to talk about these things. So it, it was kind of like this refreshing. I'm learning about something because it's very much going to be something I need to deal with in the next couple months. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of that. Um, but yeah, I spent the next, like I said, a little under two years sort of, uh, getting involved in support, starting to take phone calls, starting to meet with members of our community, which was actually kind of exciting too, because, um, our support doesn't really work. The, the same way, like a lot, like there's a, there's a negative stigma with customer support in a lot of areas, right? Yeah. For, yeah. for, you know, whatever reason, and that really wasn't us, right? Like, like uh, our support team, even to this day, takes a lot of pride in, in customer service and, and, you know, treating folks fairly and not, not, you know, treating people poorly or making them wait long times or, or go through some lengthy escalation progress or something like that. Um, and I think actually my my years in customer service kind of gave me a little bit of an edge there, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, you know, we're, we're, again, we're not reading from scripts or anything. Like we're, we're trying to like empathize with people and see what the issue is and try to really work with them. Not like, if this sounds, this may, may sound weird, but we're not working at them, if so to speak. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, so yeah, no, I think it kind of helped out a lot. Yeah. And I think that's pretty interesting that you bring up, bring up the uh, the topic of how people come into this industry. You know, like for myself, I, you know, I was in marketing uh, and then, you know, other individuals, they, you know, take computer science degrees or business degrees. And a lot of the times they're, and, and maybe not for all, but just a majority of people are looking to work in the Silicon Valley area or the tech industry, more of the business to consumer end. So, you know, they're looking at those organizations, startups, a lot of, you know, uh, uh, venture funded um, organizations. Um, but a lot of individuals that I've talked to here and have interviewed have mentioned, you know, they didn't plan on going into this industry, but once they were in this industry, they they really took hold to it and they excelled uh, at this organization. So, um, it's, it's really cool to, to, to hear. So you talked about the two years that you were working in support. Um, so let's, let's look at that and then actually take us to where you are now. Talk about like what skills you picked up along the way, some of the projects that you worked on. And then how did you end up where you are now? Sure. Walk us through that. 
Yeah. So when I came again, I had kind of a, a different background than I think most folks coming here, right? They have the full computer science degree or something like that. I had this like really like you're making games sort of focus. So so I learned a bit about programming, like a C++ was was what I what I learned on. I wouldn't say I'm a developer, but I know enough to be dangerous, I think is the saying. You know what I mean? So um, so I could understand the concepts in there. And so when I joined this company, you know, Python is sort of Ignition's uh, programming language of choice, so to speak. Um, so that was a pretty e easy pivot for me to do, but there was a lot of stuff. It turns out I just didn't really have a whole lot of background on. So, um, uh, SQL databases, for example, never touched them in college. Like I had no, I, like I knew they existed, but I didn't really like, there wasn't really much of a need for me to learn about it. Uh, so, you know, I had to learn about that. Um, general networking concepts. I mean, you know, I can mess around with my router at home, but it usually involves unplugging it and plugging it back in. <laughs> so I had to learn a little bit more. Uh, yeah. right. So there is. Uh, and fortunately, there was a lot of sort of time and a lot of resources at the company to help with those. So if you're running into these things on a ticket, you know, and you need help, there's a lot of other people you can pull from. So so I ended up learning a lot as I went. But then, you know, I reached a point where there was a, an instructor position that, that was opened up and I was kind of on the fence of taking it. Like it sounded fun because I, I found that I really enjoyed learning these things and then trying to like explain them. The people who are calling in so they can be like, oh, you know, they have that like, oh, I got it moment. Um, uh, so I was thinking about it, but I felt bad leaving the team. I think back then I was like one of six support reps. So like, you know, if someone left, you felt it. Um, <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to leave. But then uh, Peggy Weaver, who you actually you've interviewed in the past. Yeah, yeah. I was talking with her. She's like, you should go for it. She's like, I think you'd do well there. And it's like, OK, so I did. Um, and then I ended up becoming an instructor. I, I stayed or I worked in the instructor position for uh, about four years actually. Um, and I did more than teach the class. Like I taught classes. I helped with, uh, grading certification tests as well as writing new tests. I inductive university came along and I started helping out with that. And then I also started, uh, writing more articles. So that's where I started helping out with the, the user manual a bit more. So, yeah. And I, I have to say, you know, I, I, a lot of stuff that I've been working with and marketing, I mean, you're my go-to in terms of asking questions because you do a phenomenal job explaining the concepts uh, within Ignition. And so, I mean, I think anyone who has taken any of the training courses or who has watched IU would attest to that as well. Um, but yeah, and I think it's phenomenal that also, you know, there, there are some things that you haven't uh, been privy to, but in the course of you working here, you have developed, you know, that that knowledge base and that expertise, because I, I would say you are one of the, the main experts here uh, and inductive automation on on the on the platform. Um, and you're also working, uh, like to mention, uh, on the content for ICC this year. And so, you know, uh, I, I just think it's fantastic from the from for where you began and for where you're now that you are driving a lot of the, the, the training content and delivering, you know, exceptional value to our customers. And I think. I think, you know, it's great that you are here, you know, providing that. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Don't be too nice to me. People are going to think yeah, I'm paying you or something to say nice things. Like, come on. Like, uh, uh, no, <laughs> but, I'll, I'll get it later, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll send you the check. Don't okay. worry. Um, no, it's kind of you say I appreciate it. But it's funny because, to be honest, I feel like I'm still very ignorant of a lot of, of, a lot of things. There's still a lot of people I go to at the company because um, there's a lot of stuff I don't quite understand. Um, you know, Travis Cox, Kevin McCluskey. I mean, I see those guys as like top tier knowledge. I'm, I'm frequently trying to like pick up tidbits from them. And um, but but yeah, it's kind of good to say. Yeah, I, I try to stay afloat because I mean, I feel like with this company, we're always moving. Like there's always something new. We're trying to, you know, new either new market we're trying to get to in a way we're doing this by adding a better feature or a better way to like integrate with that thing or maybe solutions 
with the existing feature. So it's 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 one of those things where you just got to be willing to keep learning and keep growing. That's a good point. And yeah, we do have we do have, you know, some some really like heavy duty experts here at Inductive Automation. As you mentioned, Travis, Kevin, um, I think all, to a certain degree, though, you know, they, they have that wealth of knowledge. But I think there is some value to be able to get that knowledge into uh, a, a digestible, you know, realm right yeah and you're able to take that information you're able to understand that information and then you're also able to distill it in a way that a good portion of our community can understand it you know either from advanced users or to people who are just first learning about ignition i think that i think that is a very important and very valuable to have you know to be able to communicate a lot of the concepts and a lot of these things so that um you know a good portion of our customer base is able to understand how to use the software so Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah th- that was one of my goals. Um, there's this thing called the curse of knowledge. If you haven't heard about it, it's basically this idea that if you have an expert who's got like really deep knowledge of, of some area or some field, um, it's actually kind of hard for them to tell a novice about some of the aspects of that field because the expert is so like familiar with like things that they consider basic knowledge at this point. But realistically, your layperson doesn't going to know what they're talking about at all. So so there's this like, you know, there's this this metaphorical block in in knowledge transfer here where where the experts telling you the things you need to hear but you don't know what that means like it's it's almost like it's a different language and i i think that's where like technical writing and a lot of like the guides and a lot of stuff that's that's sort of what really interests me is like oh okay i understand this now how did i struggle to learn these concepts and how can i make it easier yeah. right like i it's and and that's really what what this field's all about is just trying to like take these complex things and then make them as approachable as it can. Cause it's, it's not that they're impossible to understand. It's just that there's a lot to know and you got to know where to start and you got to really write for, I don't want to say like a certain audience, but a certain audience in a certain headspace. Yeah. Right, right? yeah. You know, you really got to account for that. So, so yeah, you have these people who are, who, who are just brilliant they They do great things, but sometimes they might struggle trying to relate that to someone else. And, and that's sort of the market I've kind of market in air quotes. I've sort of <laughs> worked my way into. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, I asked this question from a, a lot of our interviewees and, uh, you know, it, it, I'm kind of getting a, a sense of, you know, um, the answer that people will say. But, you know, did you envision yourself in the place that you are now? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I mean, I like where I am. Don't get me wrong. Um, there's a lot of joy to be had had in this in this position and in the things I work on. Um, but no, I mean, I, again, I came from kind of a uh, a background where I didn't really know what I was trying to do. Like I liked learning about how people work and I liked messing around with games and, and whatnot. So, so yeah, the idea that I'm like writing articles, explaining how to do a thing, making videos, showing how to do a thing, reviewing these things that other people have made is, I, I don't know if I talked to myself 10 years ago, um, I think my past self wouldn't believe me, my future <laughs> self. So, yeah. So along, along those lines uh, that you mentioned about, you know, what you, what you like, to do and uh, kind of the market that you found yourself in, um, what excites you about working here? What what drives your day to day? So it's really satisfying to to put together some sort of guide, some sort of article, some something that's trying to like show people how something works, and then see people using it and then getting knowledge of it. Right? Like um, there's something just kind of uniquely satisfying. Like maybe not uniquely. Like I think uh, you know a lot of integrators you know, that are building solutions for their customers and they see their people learning, they're picking up how to, like the operators are learning how to use it. There's probably some joy there. And I think it's true for a lot of things, you know, like 
an artist makes some painting or drawing and someone wants to buy it because they really like it, you know? And it's kind of a similar idea. Like I'm, I'm making all these articles and guides and it's people are, are actually finding them useful. They're finding them helpful. Like people are like, oh, I went through the docs and it got me this far. But then they end up having like some unique question. Like, you know, I see stuff like that on the forums frequently or or I hear about it. And it's like, oh, cool. We got them like 80 percent of the way there. That's good. Um, we can't get every case right. Like we can't solve necessarily every problem with like asynchronous information. It's kind of hard. You can't like answer questions, but you just try to get them to a point where they're at least mostly there. And then the rest of the stuff, the the, the community, the docs can hopefully help them get the rest of the way there. So I, I think that's really what, what drives me is just being able to create these things yeah. that, that people end up finding useful or helpful. So, so we talked about, you know, the, the things that you liked and what is important to you and why you liked working here, uh, here at IA. And so, um, let's talk about the company itself. So what, when working for a company, what are the most important things to you? I think what really stands out for me right now is there's sort of this idea that like your larger companies and we're, we keep growing, right? Um, they feel very like sterile and and cold, you know, like every employee is just like, a you know, another person amongst thousands or whatever. I don't really feel that here. Um, you know, like we're growing. I keep seeing new faces and that's good. But at the same time, I don't feel like my opinion doesn't matter. You know, like I don't feel like I'm just this expendable person they're going to toss aside. Um, there's a, if I could get kind of um, out there with it, it feels warm. Like it has a very like sort of like family style sort of feeling where it's like we're all trying to work together to do this larger thing of helping this community of people with this product. And it's it's never, never felt like too businessy. To, to like turn me off. And I think that's something that would probably push me away from a lot of places. But no, here it just feels great. So yeah, let, let, let me, let's dive into that a little bit more, you know, because I remember when I first started here uh, at Inductive Automation, we were at the Palladio, you know, and it felt like it was, it, it, it was very, the office was more of an intimate, you know, setting just because everyone was closer. Um, so when we moved from the Palladio into this, you know, into our new headquarters here uh, near Lake Natoma, did you feel like any of that changed or, you know, and then also with, you know, with the pandemic and we went remote first, did you feel like, you know, any of that changed or have we still retained that warm feeling, that familial feeling here at Inductive Automation? Honestly, no, I didn't really feel like it. If anything, I felt like we've maintained it after the move. It was just like, oh, it's a new building. Um, but but like, you know, people are in different spots now. Um, we got more room, though. So I got more conference rooms and stuff. So. So, no, I, I, I don't think we ever really lost that. And so from your point of view, what makes inductive automation a unique place to work at? So every, you know, company has sort of like their 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 user, their users that, that are fans of them and support them and whatnot. I really like our community. Like like we have a maybe maybe this is true for for other skate HMI companies. I don't know. But but I, I love how talented everyone is and how friendly it, everyone is, you know, like because technically a lot of people using the software should be competing with each other. But it's like <laughs> yeah. you go to the forums, you, you meet them at the conference, you, you talk them on the phones and they're like just super happy to share whatever knowledge or information they have. So it's like you have this group of people that are just genuinely like, you know, hardworking folks that are just helpful. Yeah. And for, you know, a number of reasons, we they ended up sort of surrounding us as a company. Like, like they're, they're around us. Like it's, it's our community that we're a part of. And um, it's nice to be at a company at, like this, that, that has these, these fans that are just really supportive and really like what we do because well, we're trying to support them. Like we have, we haven't like turned a cold shoulder or anything like um, 
not to get too too in the weeds with it, but but you know, a lot of folks that are listening to this have probably heard Steve or talk about the the four pillars of the company, right? And and one of that always stood out to me was the the ethical model, right? Because because that tells me the way I interpret that and the way I see that too is that a lot of the company decisions we we make, uh, starting at the, the top level and working their way down, is is really focused on the community, like. Um, I can't really share details on it, but it's it's funny to see how often like we'll sort of show that we're going to try to do something or we're going to move in some direction. And then like, you know, if there's like a negative response to the community, there's this like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, hold on. Let's take a look <laughs> at this real quick because, yeah. you know, we're, we're trying to not put stuff out there that is that people don't want or is frustrating or is, is going to make their life miserable. We, we're, we're trying to keep them happy. So, I, again, that kind of ties back to this whole idea of just there's this company, I'm at this company that has these people that really like the company and, and, and we're trying so hard to make sure that that's maintained. So, yeah. 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 I think, I think that that's a great point. You know, our community is exceptional in the way that they have worked with us. And, and at ICCs, it's, it's evident that there's this collaborative nature, you know, people are not there. You, you don't feel like people are there trying to protect, you know, information. They're genuinely there trying to figure out how to solve something and they come together, they're collaborative and, and, it's amazing what comes out of, uh, you know, those conversations. It's amazing to see what solutions come out of people who come to ICC and they collaborate and they say, oh, this is what we can do. And it's just amazing how things have grown, um, you know, and also in the way that our software is is developed in, in a sense. You know, our community is very pivotal in the way, you know, uh, we add features. You know, we have the forms, we have, you know, the feature requests. And, you know, of course, we don't we can't add everything. We go through a process to vet it out. But we actually go and listen to our, our our customers because they are the ones who are figuring out what this software can do. You know, we, we've created a platform. It, you know, it does a lot of stuff, but our customers are the ones who are, you know, seeing, oh, we could do this, we could do this, and we could do this. And we just keep seeing this innovation that continues over and over again. And I think, you know, and this goes into the next question about the culture of the company. And so, you know, there's a collaborative effort on our community, within our community, there's also a collaborative effort within the culture here at IA. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I'm finding it more and more as, as I stay with the company just because, you know, a lot of the times I have to, you know, work on different projects or different plans, but it's, I'm frequently talking with people. All over. I mean, this isn't the first time you or I have worked together on something, right? Yeah, We've yeah. been doing <laughs> a lot, but it's, it's not just you too. I mean, it's, it's, you'll find that there's people collaborating at different levels, different divisions within the company. Um, which is good because I think that's how we end up accomplishing so much, right? Yeah. Um, you always, again, you always kind of hear this, this idea that that if things get a little too bureaucratic, it's really hard to make changes. What's the saying? It's like the larger the ship, the harder to turn or something like yeah, that. But, yeah. but we've been able to sort of stay really agile in regards to to trying to push out, put out new ideas, do new things. And I think it's largely because we've, we've, we initially had this foundation when the company was put together, um, that that was sort of focused on on growth for the company, right? Like like the original or the way the organization was put together by by Wendy Lynn Heckman was was she's very focused on growth and she kind of helped cater that and develop it. And because of that, we we have the entire structure of the company is sort of built out in such a way where it's super easy to work together. Yeah. Um, which is great for me because, I mean, I feel like <laughs> I, I can always like find, you know, answers to questions or or, you know, the the right set of eyes to look at something. Yeah. Along the lines of collaboration here at the office and, you know, we're able to work easily with each other. Do you find that inductive automation gives you what you need to succeed here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I haven't really, 
if I've ever been blocked on something, it's usually because of some crazy circumstances. But usually there's like if I need input or some assistance with something, we have the people that can help advise on it or, or you know, offer whatever guidance or whatever input they have. Or or if we don't have it internally, then, you know, usually we have the the means to go and find that information. So, yeah, no, I, I I've can hardly think of a time where I felt blocked entirely. <laughs> um, and like, like, oh, we just, we don't know what to do and we can't do something about this at the company. Like, you know, inductive automation usually provides, yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that, you know, uh, you know, everything that we do here is, is you know, it's, it's all success driven and people are given the tools that they need, you know, especially like, for example, you know, support, we have the technical pathways, uh, you know, program where people uh, have a vision of where they can start within support and then they could see the direction they would like to move into the company whether it, you go into development, where it goes into quality assurance uh, or, you know, any other division they would like to go into. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of things here at Inductive Automation where we've provided a lot of tools for people to build their careers and to succeed and to progress. And I think it's a fantastic thing to see. Um, and yeah, and, and it's truly, you know, just your journey shows like how you've succeeded here. And it, it's it's a great, great to see that. Um, so... During your time here at Inductive Automation, what are some of the most memorable moments for you? I think what stood out to me the most was the first ICC attend I attended. Um, I mean, we already kind of talked about this community that's around us, but I mean, I joined the company in December 2013, which was a couple months after the first conference. And you've heard the stories like the company put on the conference, but they were really uncertain on like <laughs> yeah. who was going to show up. Right. And it turned out, you know, a lot of people did. Yeah. Um, so I joined the company sort of on the tail end of all of the excitement is like, oh, it, it worked. People liked it, you know, and <laughs> and uh, I was joining support and people like, oh, you work in support. Oh, people are going to want to talk to you. I'm like, wait, what do you mean they're going to want to talk? I just I just started. What are you talking about? Um, and so you're, you're hearing about, you know, which makes sense because, you know, you, a lot of the people that call in, a lot of the times they end up going and you get to meet them face to face. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I first went to the, the I should say when I went to the 2014 ICC, my first one, I was like, oh, I get it because I was really like my first sort of like real deep dive yeah. into the community, right? Like, because I've been talking on the phones at that point, I was learning a little bit about it, but it wasn't really until that moment it hit me. It was like, oh, okay. Like a lot more things are making sense on, you know, who we're serving and who we're trying to help out and 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 all that. So that ended up being a really exciting moment. I remember like kind of like swelling up with, with sort of pride of like, oh, I can help these people. They're, they're doing these crazy cool things. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm doing like a small part of, of like assisting them, but it's it just feels good to, to help with that, you know, help them do awesome things. Yeah. Well, many years later, now you are, you know, knee deep in the content for ICC this year. I mean, you're, you're going to be driving quite a lot of it. And so, you know, uh, you know, now you're, you're providing a lot more than what you had uh, or were capable of doing back uh, when they had the first ICC. So yeah, no, I think, I think it's fantastic that, that you're now working on that. Yeah, it's exciting, but it's also kind of terrifying because it's like <laughs> yeah, I can imagine it's been so successful. And I was like, oh man, I, these are big shoes to fill. I hopefully, hopefully, I do a good job. But um, yeah, no, I'm excited for this year too. It's uh, I, I feel like that that initial excitement is still there. So very much looking forward to uh, seeing how this year develops and hopefully, hopefully, people like it. But we'll see. No, oh, I think yeah, people enjoy it. <laughs> if I'm never a part of ICC again, you know why? Right? <laughs> 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 no, we'll we'll see next year for sure. <laughs> um. Okay, cool. Uh, so now you're here at this point, right? What do you foresee in the future, you know, here at Inductive Automation industry as a whole and for yourself? 
Sure. So, you know, obviously hard to predict the future, but seeing how the company moves, seeing how the company operates. Um, again, it's kind of hard to tell folks that are outside, but it's the company is very reactive to new trends and new ideas. As, you know, we hear about a new technology. There's a lot of people internally saying, OK, well, what does that mean for us? How does that what does that mean for our community? Like, how can we help? How can we get involved in that? Like, can we already like do we already have the tools? Do we, you know, stuff like that. So I think I see regardless of what comes. I see a lot of success for the company. Obviously, I have some bias on it, but but no, I mean that's that's sort of just how we've been operating, right? Like we're we don't we don't rest on our laurels here. That's just a thing we don't do. Um, so so we're always trying to challenge ourselves to see how can we continue to be helpful. How can we continue to support this community that's that's built been sort of growing around us. Um, so um, yeah, I, I, but I am seeing more and more. You know, these these more te- new technologies are coming in, like. We're, Industry 4.0 is something we've been talking about for a while now. And there's there's more and more information, more and more details, which is good. But, you know, there's always going to be new stuff coming down, coming down the pipe. And so I, I think we'll be ready for it. So we've talked about your journey here at Inductive Automation. We've talked about, you know, what you what you enjoy doing here and then also what you see in the future. Let's jump outside of that and talk about what you like to do outside uh, of uh, work here. Um, so tell us, what, what do you enjoy? What's your interests? What drives you? So I'm a big nerd. Um, <laughs> so obviously I went on, worked on a degree to, to make video games, right? And so that's still sort of a hobby I, I do after hours, just sort of independent game development stuff. Yeah. Um, that all kind of started with a, a lot of like modding and making like custom, custom like maps and stuff for games. Like a lot of the times video games would have tools that allow you to make your own sort of stuff that lived inside of the game. That's kind of where it started. And then, sure, sure. you know, over time, it's like, oh, I can make additional mods. And so I've, I've, I've built mods and pushed them up to Steam. Steam's like a gaming platform or a host yeah. a bunch of games and stuff, but it also supports uh, uh, modders. And so I've, I've contributed to that. Um, little known fact about me, I've, I've also dabbled in, in game journalism, actually. Oh, so oh, cool. A friend of a friend of a friend has a gaming culture sort of website that they, they hosted. And so they needed help writing articles. So I, I've gotten like, you know, review copies of games and, and re- reviews, did previews. Um, I've actually traveled. So um, it's kind of funny. I, I talked about my, my, my journey here. You know, I was originally trying to relocate just to, to start a job, but then I ended up staying in California thinking, oh, okay, I'm not going to travel all that much. But then when I was an instructor, I traveled across the country teaching ignition classes. But then yeah. for this journalism thing, I also traveled and went to conventions and, and interviewed folks. And um, it was pretty, pretty crazy. But yeah, um, that kind of slowed down a little bit once, uh, you know, COVID hit and the quarantine hit, there was a lot less conventions, a lot less traveling going on. So um, but something I'd like to try to pick up, start picking up again. Um, all the stuff I should say that I've done under a different, I did a, use a pen name cause I'm trying to keep my IA life and, and the <laughs> yeah. you know, like sort of gaming stuff I do separate, but, but okay. yeah. Um, aside from that, I mean, I play a lot of board games with friends and I, there's usually with board games, the more kind of like involved ones, you know, the ones that take you several hours to play and yeah, there's yeah. like a whole bunch of setup. Um, they end up having a lot of little like plastic figurines and miniatures. I started painting those just for fun. And, uh, you know, nowadays I play a lot of uh, tabletop RPGs. So things like Dungeons and Dragons, which which has little miniatures. And so I, I, as a hobby, I like painting them and uh, putting a little flock on them and stuff like that. So it's nothing I want to like show off because, you know, again, this, there's like, there's like a whole world of like amazing artists that do it. I'm I'm just trying to like, you know, get better at it, but it's, no, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think that's really cool, you know, because, you know, you can just play the game, but I feel like when you start, you know, getting into more of it by, you know, painting or 
uh, creating more of the characters, you get more into the game. I think there's more involvement. I think that's that's something that's pretty cool. Um, and in terms of the game development, you know, is there a genre that that attracted you or something that you wanted to to work on um, sure. in that area? So it's probably bad for me to admit for my parents, but uh, there is this genre called survival horror, which is <laughs> exactly what it sounds like. You're trying to survive in a kind of horrific sort of think like a horror movie kind of trope. That always that kind of drew drew me in when I was in my my teenage years and I started you know messing around with that. So that was a big motivator for me was to try to make those sorts of experiences. And those are kind of interesting too because um, if you know anything about like or at least a little bit about about making films, you know that sounds a big part of it. Yeah, especially for horror films. Like if you if you try to watch a scary movie and you just put it on mute, it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's but that's true for games too, right? So so you find a lot of games out there that have some amazing audio work where it's not just they're playing sound effects like here or there, like you're not hearing like goofy little boing noises or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's no like they're, you, you're trying to create an ambiance, like you're trying to set a mood. Yeah. Um, may, maybe sometimes it's it's you're, you're trying to build excitement. Sometimes you're maybe trying to get something a little bit tenser because, you know, you don't want the player to know it's around the corner, that sort of thing. So um, but to be honest, like when it comes to building games, it's it's been a bit of a mix. Uh, I find like that that's sort of like the genre I, I want to kind of keep building towards. But every once in a while, I get an idea in my head where it's something a little bit goofier or smaller or, or simpler in scope. Like uh, visual novels are really easy to make because it's just like text and selections and stuff on screen. And th- that's great because if you wanted to just be silly or, you know, have some some jokes or just kind of have fun with it, it's it's a little bit lighthearted. Um, th- there's sort of a. It's, it's kind of a trend or maybe like an in-joke in game development in that you're not actually a game developer until you finish your first project. Because that's what ends up happening is like you find these people who are really creative and they want to make a bunch of things. Yeah. But then they get a new idea. It's like, well, what do I do with this old thing? Well, I'm going to put it in the pile with all the other things I haven't <laughs> finished yet. So it's it's funny. It's, it's one of those things where I just kind of, you know, same, same, same issue. I can't keep coming up with things that I want to work on. So kind of a long answer to your question. So oh, no, definitely no. the more like horror stuff. But I, I kind of explore and I mess around with a lot of different things. I want to ask you about your experience when you were in the restaurant industry, uh, when you were bartending. Is that something that you do occasionally still? No. No? Well, I mean. I mean, not not like, not not for. Not at that level. Not at the level. But do do you like, at parties, do you end up becoming the bartender? So it's funny. um, I do by reputation. Okay. Um, but not by choice, if that makes sense. So <laughs> sure, it's yeah. one of those things where like, oh, Paul, Polly used to bartend. Oh, have it. You know, he can make a drink. I'm like, yes, I can. But um, it's, it's not that I don't enjoy it, but I think it's one of those like imposter syndrome things. Because like you, you've seen like on social media or whatever, amazing bartenders. They're stacking like 30 glasses and pouring liquid <laughs> and lighting them on fire and doing a backflip. And it's like, yeah, I'm not on that level. Like I, I can make you a, you know, a tasty drink, but, but I'm not doing like cool flair stuff like that. And it's, um. So, so I have, um, but it's not usually something I try to do. It's, it's, it's more one of those things where like, I just happen to know, you know, a lot of like common drinks are, are these separate parts. So I could, I could just put it together real quick and try to make something pretty tasty. Yeah. I mean, it, it's nice to have the flair, but if the drink doesn't taste good, right. I, I it doesn't just, matter. I, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. like, you know, I got the show, but you know, dinner's not that great. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, is, is there a drink that you like to make? So yes and no. Um, Anything that's more elaborate to make is yeah. actually kind of fun because it's it ends up being a bit of an effort. And a lot of the times the presentation on them is a bit un- more unique. But I have kind of a love hate with um, Bloody Marys. So if you know anything about Bloody Marys, I mean, it's, it's generally tomato juice, some sort of seasoning, usually like Tabasco or pepper or something like that and vodka. But a lot of places ended up putting basically like a meal 
on it. Like they put food, you know, because normally you garnish with like, you know, celery and maybe like an olive. Right. But but a lot of the times they like, oh, well, let's add extra stuff. Let's 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 put like pepperoni and <laughs> onions and, you know, and then you seem like the kind of jokey ones where people add like sandwiches and, oh and stuff goodness. on top. So so those are fun to make if you have done the prep work and you have like all those materials and you've done it. It's not that great when you're like, you know, you got like a, a queue of like 15 drinks you got to make and you got to make this Bloody Mary and you don't have the stuff. The prep is like, oh, gosh, can I just can I just cheat on this one? Can I just pour you the liquid and like not give you the meal on this? So it's it's on one hand, I like it. On the other hand, it's like kind of frustrating to make. But um, but yeah, anything that's got that's either in, involved or that just has a very impressive sort of look to it. So so things with very vibrant colors. Okay, cool, um, cool. Maybe, maybe use... I'd say like a lot of martinis. Martini itself is kind of simple to make, but a lot of the times you get those kind of more flavorful ones or they usually have more elaborate names at restaurants or whatever. Sure, sure. A lot of times they have kind of like fun garnishes or, or something like that. So, um, but yeah, kind of, kind of depends. I guess more work I put into it, the more I might like it potentially if I have the resources. Yeah. That's that a sense. weird response to your question, but you know, I'm no, no, go but with it, it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> you know, it's, but it's an art, right? You know, you're not you're not just making a drink like the the, the more, you know, like in, in woodworking, I, I like to, to, to woodwork. Right. I could make a simple box. Right. It would be easy. It would be done. But, you know, I like to put more detail into it. And so the more work I put into it, the more you have more ownership over it. And there's more satisfaction when you're done with it, because once you're finished with it, you're like, oh, I built this thing. You know, so no, it's definitely it's uh, you know having 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 that ownership and have putting more into it. The more complex is you know it depends on the situation, right? If you if you have to get it done, you have to get it done. You don't want to make it too complex to the point that you're just like stressing out. But I think there the when it's an art, there is a, you know that that sense of like um, it's kind of like pride, right? Yeah, a sense of pride. You know what I mean? Like you look at him like ah, there it is, and yeah. you know yeah, and especially if like you know there's some functionality behind it or if you're just showing it off and someone notices it it's like yeah you know yeah agreed is there anything else that you'd like to talk about or mention i just want to say thanks for inviting me it's uh yeah it's to be honest it's always awkward to talk about myself i feel like because it's like i think the only person who cares about me is me um because <laughs> it's kind of weird but it's but you know it's 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 been fun talking about the company it's fun talking about like how we got here and yeah. know, how I got here. Cause it's, it has been kind of a bit of a journey. So hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank you for joining us and thank you for joining us in person. And thank you for sharing uh, your journey here. It's, it's a very, very interesting on how you started and where you are now. Um, and you've done quite a lot uh, here, tremendous work. And, and, you know, we all thank you for, for putting it all together and giving us the value that a lot of our customers have enjoyed uh, over the years. So Paul, thank you for joining us today at inductive conversations and how in this episode of how'd you get here. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Sure. Thanks again for the kind words. The, again, the checks in the mail. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk later. <laughs> hey, listeners. This is a quick reminder to subscribe to our podcast if you're enjoying the conversations. Also, if you have a topic or a question you'd like us to cover, or if you're interested in being a guest on a future episode, then please send your inquiries to podcast at inductiveautomation.com.